Warning, the guest episodes on License for Love are experiences, expertise, and views of their own. The diversity duo is in no way liable for actions or advice one takes in their daily life from our guests. Our purpose is to give everyone a voice to be understood, not necessarily agreed with. Listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels Harris, the heartbeat in relationship conversation. Sexy, beautiful. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jax, and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And man, do we have an episode for season two of License for Love for you today, which is called A Heart's Addiction. But first, Doc, how the hell are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So, have, um, did you take your trip yet? To Mexico? Yeah. Yeah, we went the day after Christmas. It was awesome. Yeah, it's my understanding you uh, you ran into uh, some license for love down there. You want to tell our uh, audience a little bit about that? That was kind of exciting. Okay, but you tell what their names were. Because... Believe it or not, I couldn't keep it straight. Brianna and Jordan Hamilton. Yes, the brother-sister duo. And listen, let me tell you how it happened. It was so funny. I was over looking for whales. There was this one spot you could stand, right? And and I kept thinking I was seeing whales when people were saying, no, those are just rocks. So, But the one lady said, right there, just watch right there. So I was minding my own business looking for whales. And I hear this guy say, hurry up. You don't want to poop on yourself. And I turn around and, he, and she, the girl was running and she was like, shut up. And he was with another girl. So there were three of them. And he goes, he looks at me and he goes, and he points at her and goes, she has to go poop. Right. And I was like starting to laugh, but I didn't want to laugh. And then I said, it's okay if you have to just go. And she heard my voice and she stopped dead in her tracks. And she turned and she came running up. She got two feet from my face and she goes, what's your name? And I said, Lauren, she goes, oh my God, we were on your podcast with Cowboy Jacks, License for Love. So was my brother, two separate episodes. And that was that. And then all the people at the restaurants and stuff that were around started standing up and looking. And then when they went on their way, like 15 minutes later, um, oh my God, people were sending drinks over, although it was all inclusive. So they were free anyway. But they were like, what do you do? And it was a council, right, Doc? Oh my God. It was, it was amazing. Brian kept saying, my husband, he's like, oh my God, honey, I was with you for your first international sighting because I remember the first time that happened locally, but never, I mean, it just goes to show you what a small world we truly live in. Out of all the resorts in all of Mexico, that particular moment, we converged on each other and we had never met in person. And they are the only two people that have met both of us. And you know what's kind of cool about that? Because when you think about it, it's almost like license for love working in the real world, right? We sit here and we we have these stories and we talk about not judging people by judging a book by its cover. And here this poor woman has to go to the bathroom. And because you're not passing judgment on her, you're able to connect with someone that was on our show. So I love that story. And I think that's great. Just for the record, because some of her friends might hear this and start, you know, teasing her. She did not have to poop. She was really going to pee. But he, (laughs) her brother, was doing that so that all eyes would be on. It was just, I'm so glad he did it, though. They could have walked right past me. And we would have never known. Because my back was turned to the water. I was watching the water. Right. But I heard him, then she heard me, and then we were three. I love it. I love the pictures. Like she, you know, she messaged me and let me know. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, Brianna or Brianna, wherever you're from and how you say it, and Jordan are husband and wife. So I don't know if the the brother or the sister might have been there, but they were the ones that um, allowed us to have our first uh, trans guest on the show from the army. Now I yeah, am no. just 
Bamboozled. It's all good. It's crazy. It's crazy, well, but it's cool. But you it know, it's crazy, but it's cool. cool. And I'll tell you this, too, well, Jack. Doc. Note to self, real quick. I was also I was like, boy, I'm glad I wasn't mean to that guest. I mean, think about it. You know, if you're really oh, shitty yeah. to somebody and then you oh, run into them across the world somewhere, you're like, mm -hmm. dude, I didn't mean nothing. I didn't mean nothing by it. I was just so happy that it was a beautiful experience all the way around the globe. All the way around the globe. I love that. I do too. That's so good. Well, Doc, it's February, which happens to be my favorite holiday, which is Valentine's Day. And um, we have such an amazing lineup that we're going to get into for February because, you know, again, folks, the big thing for us here at License for Love is being able to take everyday uh, subjects or taboo subjects and put this twist on it. So our first guest um, has an amazing story and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But the coolest, one of the coolest parts of her journey is being able to find love after recovery, you know, and she's very transparent. She's, you know, spoke all over the place and you'll find that out later. But doc, I, I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on people in recovery from some sort of substance abuse and, and what that relationship journey, you know, from your perspective could possibly look like the, the good, the bad and the ugly. You know, that's a dicey loaded question for me since I myself am a recovered addict. Now, I, I'm just keep it real. When I was in my addiction, I couldn't go to those 12 step meetings, not because I didn't want to, because I could not authentically stand up and say, my name is Lauren and I'm an addict or I'm addicted to or cross addicted to. It never felt right. And all these years later, I now know why, because I don't believe I was ever addicted to drugs. I was addicted to abusing the gift of invitation. That's what I did. I invited something into my space that promised to never serve me. So I wasn't addicted to the drug. I was addicted to inviting it in over and over. So I now back to your original question. When you said recovery, see, I don't refer to myself as I'm a recovering because eating is the process of, oh, I'll call you later. I'm eating. I can't talk right now. I'm sleeping. Not a good time. I'm working. You're in the process of. I am recovered. Wonderful. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because when, with that ING, it always made me second guess everything. Like, is, is this going to be a slip up? Am I going to relapse? And it allowed people to wonder in their minds. Oh, recovering means he's not quite there yet. No. Did, did, you, uh, did you ever relapse, Doc? No. And what was that like? No. And once no. I said, well, no, not when I was authentically, truthfully, 1,000% finished. And I'll tell you, because I heard a voice tell me, you do that drug one more time, you're going to die. Right then, while you do it, you will die. And something about it, I was like, ooh, they sounded serious. And I was done just like that. That's Done. beautiful. It's beautiful. choice, but it's different for every person. It is. So yeah. recovering people that say that they are recovering, as long as they're being honest and truthful and they know themselves, then if you like it, I love it. But for me, I am recovered. I am, you well, know. I, I, I absolutely love that transparency, Doc, because, you know, it. it's, it's something, you know, it's something for me to be able to, hear a person express in a way that is just with such sincerity and honesty about something that can be so polarized and so judged, you know, when you were going through that process, like, did you have people that turned their nose up to you? Did you have people that, you know, were like naysayers is like, Oh, you'll be back. You know, you'll, you know, you'll yeah. do it again. Like what, yeah. what was the support system? Like when you were going through that, walk us through yeah. that a little bit. The support system was first, what is greater than me, what created me, carried me and delivered me. 
throughout the entire process. So that's that's that. As far as people, I got to say this, to be honest with you, and that means family, you know who you are, um, pseudo, so-called, whatever, definition of friends, you know who you are. I'll say this, I know now, because you know, Jax, since we were here last, I got, what is it, a Lifetime Achievement Award from the president of this country. Now, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Now listen, the same people that talked about whatever, me, whatever their idea of me was, uh, you know, oh, he was in the system, you know, he's damaged and this and the other. They talked before I became a drug addict. They talked, see, I told you, when I was a drug addict. And they're talking now. Whatever they're saying. You know what I'm saying? So, support. Yeah. I, I, you know, I know when I was, you know, inside of the Christianity portion of, of religion and all that, that we were always told, don't put all your faith in a man, in a person, put it in God. And I just got to say, I'm glad I listened because that's who brought me out. What is greater than me? Seriously. And do you, do you feel like in some ways you were the exception to the rule, though? Um, because I, I want to throw the statistic at you real quick, because, you know, I love me and my little uh, iPad business here. So recent drug relapse statistics show that more than 85 percent of individuals relapse and return to drug use within the year following treatment. And that is drugabuse.com. Um, and, and that's a you know, it's a more recent statistic. So when you hear that. How does that sort of resonate with you and knowing the epiphany that you were able to come to? Well, the key word for me in there was treatment. I never went to treatment. That was another thing that just didn't sit right with me because everybody that I saw that had done it was in the dope house with me talking about it. And I was like, well, shit, why would I waste my time? Might as well stay here, right? Because the thing was, every time they came out, there was less of them. They kept, it was like, I've relapsed eight times and there was less and less. It was like a bungee cord that had like a, a rubber band that stretched out or an old pair of briefs where the, you know, the, the waistband is stretched out. It's just no good anymore. And I did not want my bungee cord to not be able to snap me back up right before I splat after falling as far as I could fall. And I didn't want to wear it out on false dummy runs. So I said, so what, so what you saw, so what you saw was that being in a, a pool and surrounding yourself with the struggling mentality was actually more of a crux than it was a help. And so you had to gravitate completely away from that environment in order to kind of find your your own space. And, and is that when the epiphany hit you? Yeah, yeah. And I'll say, and I believe a lot of us who come out of it can attest to the point that even when we were in the darkest area of it, the darkest part, that piece is, that is with us today was with us then. And I heard it, I talked with it, I lived with it, I counted on it. And when I got ready to choose, it was there to support me because it had been there through it all with me. No one else, nothing else could say that. So when I decided, see, when you make a decision, you have to choose things that drive you into that decision. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly what I was going to make sure that I audible there is, you know, folks, what the doc is saying is, is that it's when you decide to choose. Yeah. So for a lot of our audience, that's you know, out there listening today that may have a loved one um, that is going through something like this or has relapsed, you know, your responsibility is so much less than you're putting the weight on your shoulders for. You know, and, and that brings me to another statistic uh, that I think is very interesting. And this comes from the addictioncenter.com. Mm. You know, I asked the question, uh, how do relationships affect sobriety? 
And the answer for them is healthy relationships can help individuals struggling, struggling with addiction to avoid negative attachments to people who bring out the worst in them. Now, I'm not really sure in the time frame um, of when you went through this, but if there was that potential for relapse, would we say that Brian is, is definitely the light in the dark, so to speak, because you speak so highly and so candidly of him all the time. You mean, tell me what you mean by that. You mean that keeps me uh, from relapsing? No, if, if that potential was there, what I'm saying is, is that do you affirm that that healthy relationship can help you to avoid those negative attachments to people who bring out the worst in you? Oh, of course. And I'll say this, my husband, Dr. Brian, even before I knew he existed, just the possibility that he could exist. I said, I literally said, get me through this. I don't care if I'm alone until I'm 90 years old because I would rather spend the last five minutes of my journey with my everything than all of my journey with just anything. And, you know, after 30 years, I was like, dang, you guys took me seriously, you know, because I was still alone. But I wasn't looking for Mr. or Miss Wright like a lot of people. I was more concentrated on becoming Mr. Wright. I knew nothing would stick if I wasn't the glue that it could stick to and would want to stick with. And well, speaking of sticking with folks, stick with us because we'll be right back after this short break. The power of We Romania, spring 2023. The Legacy of Hope Tour, where our family is dedicated to keeping our kids safe. Find out more at thepowerofwesymposium.com. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jax, and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels-Harris, and we have been unpacking the episode for today that starts season two of License for Love, A Heart's Addiction. Um, and we have an amazing guest lined up today. And uh, Doc, do you have a little ditty on him? I do. Da -dun, da -dun, da -dun. Today's guest is Janine Emily. Janine, for you who speak French. She is a champion for authenticity. Truth, I know, right? And uh, truth and love. Her mantra is, get this, grit it out then lace it up. She's a speaker, songwriter, recording artist, also a mental health advocate, and now a number one international best-selling author. She shares her stories and her songs across the world to inspire and bring hope to a hurting world. She also volunteers for her church and other outreaches and is a Texas state rep for celebrity Oh, celebrate recovery, not cel not celebrity recovery. Celebrate there might be a few celebrities in there I that mean, are celebrating. Hey, I wouldn't doubt it. I hope so. Now, in the past, she left the corporate world in order to pursue an extraordinary life that is in alignment with her values, her passions. Um, and this is all about loving people, loving God, and more importantly, loving her music. And she's got some great music. Her passion is to help other women not just survive, but be overcomers, free from fear and the chains that bind them and be their true, authentic selves. So there it is, quite a little ditty. Let's get that girl in here. What's going on, Janine? Yes, what's going on, Janine? Hello, how are Janine? you guys? Hey, we we're, we're so excited to have you on the show. Oh, I am beyond excited to be here with you guys. I have to tell you, you both are the bomb diggity. I oh, mean, wow. you're gems and rock stars in my world. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's sweet. Wow. Do you hear that? I'm a rock star, Doc. <laughs> yes, you are. Anyway, so we sort of have uh, a rite of passage, if you will, here on License for Love, because we know that our guests are, you know, it's all about your story, right? Doc and I are just the advocates to, to give you an opportunity to be able to speak your piece on this subject. And so where are you at with some of the things that we were sort of discussing in that first segment? Like, did anything hit home for you? Is there anything that, you know, right off the bat that you were like, now, wait a minute. I've been through this process. I speak on a state level about this process. Um, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, that's that's a really good question because when you say recovery, it's a loaded loaded gun. I resonated so much with a lot of the things that Dr. Lauren said. Um, you know, I, I truly did. And I did not like to go to NA meetings as well because you know, you start out by saying, my name is Janine, I'm a drug addict. You know, you're placing your identity in what you do, right? That, I don't know. Um, I want to say that Celebrate Recovery is different. I just want to say that right off the bat. Mm, it's a Christ-centered ministry for anyone struggling with hurt, hurts, hangups, and habits of any kind. So it's not just uh, drug addiction. Um, and it, it offers a safe place, really, which was my saving grace too, for community and freedom from the issues that control your life. Um, the other thing that resonated was recovered versus recovery, right? Because mm. I have over 25 years recovered from cocaine use, right? And I don't even think about, you know, like that, that was even a part of my life because I was just using it. It was a symptom of a greater hole inside of me an emptiness inside of me that i was trying to fill so, so yeah so on that note little... real quick let, paint the picture for the audience out there of like what was love like during that that process right put us put us in that space with you you know even though it was 25 years ago you know um what what was it like for you then you know what was love like then? Oh gosh, I was searching. It sounds like that song. I was searching for love in all the wrong places. I, first and foremost, I did not love myself at all. I mean, I didn't, how, how can you love somebody else when you can't even love yourself? And like, I had no framework, I guess, for what love was supposed to be. And so I was just trying to fill that emptiness, that hole inside of me, which I love that plum song. It's a God-shaped hole that needs to be filled with what only God could fill. But at the time, I didn't know that. So I was trying to fill that void. And and yeah, I even got married and it did not, it, it ended poorly. You know, um, we were why, both. Why, involved, did you but, get, why did you get married? Like what what was it that that drew you to say, Hey, I think, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with cocaine and all this other kind of stuff. And, and I think it's a great idea to, to get married, even though I don't love myself. Like, what was that knee jerk reaction that drew you to that? Well, I had given up cocaine be before I met him. Okay. So, and we were both musicians. We were both, you know, wanting that kind of lifestyle. Um, all of my friends, <laughs> like, it's so crazy because growing up, all my girlfriends, you know, it was their main goal to get married and have kids. And that kind of was never really my goal. I didn't even play with Barbie dolls. Like I played out in the dirt, you know, with with uh, G.I. Joes and stuff like that. But because um, I was kind of a tomboy with three brothers. But I I was like in my late 20s, you know, and it kind of just seemed like the path that I was supposed to take. You know, I just kind of like did what I thought I was supposed to do. And, and don't get me wrong. I thought I loved him. Like, but again, I had no framework what with, for what love is, what it's supposed to be. And I certainly didn't love myself still, even being clean off of cocaine. I still didn't love myself. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a few interesting points that you make there, but, but doc, you know, she, she said a lot about the framework of, of love and not understanding what that is. And, you know, I'd really love to get your feedback or your input on that, right? Because, you know, there's a, there's a shared experience between the both of you. Like, did you feel like that, you know, you, you didn't know what the framework of love was either? Oh, of course. Um, that's how I got in there. Cause I was, I was just, I didn't believe in it anymore. I hadn't found my birth family. I didn't know who I really was, where I'd really come from. And I just felt like, you know, you got to have a reason. We really do need purpose to, to live a joyful life. And I didn't have purpose because I didn't have any reference, no backstory, um, a reason to believe that I mattered. And so, I mean, People have heard that story that 
until I started, until I won that competition at 50 when I changed my body, transformed it. Um, those were the first pictures that I had. I had no social media picture. It was this little silhouette guy because for 20 some years, I had shaved my head, shaved my face, washed my face, brushed my teeth every single day in the shower to avoid looking in the mirror. Because I remember, you know, just breaks where I would, if I did look in a mirror, I'd start, you know, pulling my face and going, why am I so horribly disfigured? Why am I so ugly? What, why, what did I do? Why is this me? And it would, it made you want to just kill yourself. It was just awful, awful. Um, you know, that, that, you know, it's so interesting to, to hear, hear how, you know, obviously Janine's on one individual path, you're on another individual path, but yet the ingredients of the self-loathing, the lack of self-identity, the lack of purpose of being, right, is what kind of ropes you into these situations. Because one of the statistics that I didn't get to that involves the stereotypes of people that are in recovery or are recovered, um, you know, however it is, you know, that you want to frame it up is that drug addiction or substance abuse addiction automatically means like sexual misconduct or promiscuity or, you know, um, criminal record, like all of these different kind of things. And it's interesting how from both of your stories perspectives that it's not that it was driven towards anything other than just the lack of loving yourself. Is that fair? Yes. I agree. Wow. Totally. So Janine, when did, when did you turn the tide? When did you realize, you know what? Uh, I love me and uh, I, I want the best for me. You know, I was thinking about that as you guys were talking because that I had this epiphany after, well, it was actually before we got divorced, I begged him to go to, to care, counseling and he wouldn't. So I started going to counseling and I remember the counselor telling me, the, he said, wow, Janine, you don't feel entitled to the basics of life, like respect and love. He says, your husband obviously feels and knows he's entitled to it. You don't feel entitled. You feel like you have to earn it. And that was an epiphany for me. I'm like, whoa, like you would think that I would like that, you know, I'd automatically know that, but no, I was like, dang, you're right. And so I started digging deep, you know, um, through that process of starting with counseling, uh, getting away from toxic behavior. You know, I won't go into detail, but it is the power of association, right? I started mm -hmm. hanging out with people that treated me with respect and love and exercise. You know, they showed me what that looked like. And I was like, dang, <laughs> I, I, I need me some of that, you know? And so that's what started the process, I think. You know, it, it's so interesting because I hear a lot of what you and Doc say, and it's a lot of what I've dealt with, but yet because of some of the tumultuous things that I went through in my childhood and IE, especially the absence of my parents, either when they were there physically, you know, or not, um, I, I didn't go down that path. All of the self-destruction for me was like on the inside because I thought it was worthless, that I didn't deserve love. And I knew like there was this compulsion. It's like, you better stay away from the bottle. You know, you, you better stay away from, you know, drugs. I, I don't have an addictive personality. And that's why I thought that, you know, uh, I was so fascinated with wanting to do this episode today because um, I'm curious. I'm curious of why for me personally, you know, when you talk about judging a book by its cover and all those other kind of things, why I didn't turn that tide. I, I still dealt with all the ramifications of horrible relationships and failed marriages and, you know, all this different kind of thing. But, you know, I, I never went down the path of saying this might 
tune me out or, or help me to, to feel better. So, um, so I, I really appreciate the, the inside of that. So you, you get the divorce, right? Um, and then you're still in one part of the country, I'm assuming at this point, right? Like this marriage didn't happen in, in Texas or did it happen in Texas? No, I, I was in Washington state for over 35 years. So this was all, all right. taking place in Washington, yes. Okay, awesome. Well, that's a really cool place for us to stop because <laughs> when we when we come back, we're going to talk about literally an on the road again journey that really fulfills the purpose of a heart's addiction. We'll be back right after this. Make your next production with purpose with a help up, not a handout for U.S. veterans. Find out more about InView at shfveterans.org. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jackson. I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels-Harris. And today's episode is called A Heart's Addiction and is season two's first episode. And we have been talking with Janine Emily, who is absolutely amazing, very honest and forthcoming. And before the break, if you're just now tuning in, she was about to make a journey from Washington State to one of my favorite states on the planet, the good old state of Texas. So let's pick up right there, Janine, because man, what a roller coaster this has been for you up until this point, right? So how does Texas come into the, the scene? Oh, I would love to tell the story. Um, <laughs> well, I, I want to start out by saying I had given up on love. So I basically had not dated, not even tried, like I just gave that all up for quite a few years. Right. So, but you know, I was, I was busy doing, I was, you know, in a rock band touring. I was just doing all this other stuff. Then COVID hit and that turned my world upside down, not just for the obvious reasons of COVID, but because everything, you know, I was a performer, you know, you can kind of get the, the gist the that vid, everything stopped. I, I have to interrupt right there. The vid got everybody. It was like the vid had a everybody, list. Whether you right? were naughty or nice, your ass was going down. Your, okay, your ass was going down. But for <laughs> me, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because, um, again, I'd given up on love. I was kind of like just this robot going through and doing all kinds of cool stuff, like going into the prisons and ministering. But I forgot the why, right? So it, when I say it was the best thing that ever happened, I was laid up in bed with COVID, plus I had fallen off the roof of my house. Yes, believe it or not, cleaning moss. And um, I had to sit and rest and reevaluate things. And I did. And, and one of those things was, there was a point, and I'm just, I'm not going to lie, I've suffered from, I don't suffer anymore, I've overcome it, but depression and anxiety for many, many years. And there was this point where in October of 2020, I was in this deep abyss and I was just wanted to end my life and I didn't know why, but it was God's way of saying, hey, hey, listen to me. Literally, I got on my knees and I prayed and I said, Lord, Lord. What, what am I supposed to do here? My whole life has come, you know, has changed. I don't want to be in this home. I don't want to be in Seattle anymore. I hate the weather. You know, I don't want to go into details, but there are a thousand reasons why I didn't want to be there. Loudly, the spirit voice said, sell everything you own and move to Texas. What? And for two, two weeks, I sat on it, you know, because I'm like, did I hear you right? You know, because I had this old house that needed work and you name it, right? I'm like, how, how am I going to get the energy? Like, what, what, what? Well, that voice was loud and clear. And so I did it. I did it. I, I sold, I sold my home. I all, you know, I was single at the time, didn't have a lot of family presence or help moved to Texas and bought the house of my dreams. You know, and I know that's not what this show is about. It's about love, but truly I had mapped out exactly what I wanted to do. And I did it. I moved to Texas. Well, I had still given up on love, right? Well, my friends were like, okay, your whole life has changed. You're happier. You're full of joy. You're abundant. Why don't you get back out there? <laughs> and they signed me up on three different online sites. And you're going to laugh when I tell you which ones. Christian Mingle, Farmers, 
dot com. Farmers. Keep going, but we got to talk about farmers. Holy crap. That's so yeah, you know, I've never been on a, you know, raised on a farm, but and then there was a, like a our time thing. And I don't know if you want to tell I, you want me to tell the whole story of how we met or whatever, but um, I got myself well, out let's, there. Let's back you know? the car up just for a hot second. Uh, you've got to see the doc's face. <laughs> when you said, look, he goes, he raises an eyebrow and turns that head, you know, like he does. He's like, farmers. Like, doc, take it from there. It's the second time I've heard about that site. And I could just, I was like, well, how many teeth were missing in the profile picture? Isn't that horrible? Hey, now, that's I just know. a book by its cover, it okay? I know. Yet, Paul. I just, know, I know but, plenty of farmers I mean, that got all their teeth. I know, and I love farmers. They keep this country going. But you just <laughs> never would imagine that there was a site, you know. First question um, from the farmer. Do you consider yourself to have childbearing hips? Because <laughs> you know they they need all the help, you know, really. So bad. Anyway, so you anyway. better lay off my people, city. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm done. I'm kidding. I love you, farmers. Love you. Love you. Well, it could been it could have been grinder. How about that? Like that name alone oh, just sounds very very oh, bad. Met, you know, my husband on the site, but it was Adam for Adam. Right. Adam for Adam. And somebody signed me up too, Janine. Oh, we have way too much in common. Oh, uh, shit. I thought you met met Brian on Grindr. Oh, no. Oh, Brian doesn't even allow that word in the house. It's the G word. No. And you might as well tell people that don't know. Grindr is like, what's the straight one? Tinder. Oh, yeah. I've got it. I've got yeah. a funny story about that that I can't talk about online, Tinder. but we're on Tinder. <laughs> y'all remind me sidebar about Tinder. Tinder. Jacks. Yeah. Well, I said, yeah. He said, yeah, What's too that? late. I said, I asked if you were on Tinder ever, and you said, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were? Anyways, it's. I got signed up by a friend. I was working on the TV show Nashville. I was very much alone, like and I, he said that it was a cool way to meet people. And uh, anyways, we're getting way off the rails. Okay, so you moved to Texas. Obviously, do you meet this man on Farmers.com or no. which one was I didn't it? meet him on Farmers, no. Christian, Christian Mingle. Mingle. I knew Christian, Christian Mingle. Mingle. And I've heard a lot any- of good stories about Christian Mingle. I've heard some naughty stories about uh, Christian Mingle. Like you, yeah. you Christians well, out there, you like to uh, get down with the get down. But anyway, Janine. You heard the story about Christian Mingle when you were on your Tinder date. You know what? This show is do not judge a book by its cover. We're going to, you know what? We're going to do an episode on Tinder. Watch it happen. Oh, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, you guys! It's actually cool. a good idea to do it. Hey, anyway, yeah. Janine—he—he he gets me okay, distracted. Ahead, Please me. carry on. Oh, uh, uh, well, so you want me to talk about Christian Mingle? How it all happened? Uh, no, I just want you to talk about how we got to the love of your life, and if Christian Mingle is that conduit, then um, then that's where we're going. Yeah, it's a- absolutely a miracle because uh, I don't want to tell his story, but he's not a Texas native either. Um, and so we both ended up in Texas. Um, I think the whole online dating thing can be kind of dangerous because there, there's fake people out there, the catfish, like people that are just on there trying to make a buck, you know, through the sex industry and all that. You guys know that. Yeah. And so just the fact that we met is a miracle in itself. And Look at that because, moneymaker for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Well, I know. That, that's why I'd given up. I mean, it was like, yeah, it's dangerous when you're a woman out there, you know, like, and, but God had a plan and we ended up on a date and it, it, to back up a little bit, he had written me a few messages, but for some reason I wasn't getting them. And he was like, why is this girl ignoring me? So he sends me a message and he's like, even if we don't hook up that way, we're both songwriters and singers so we could start a project. And that so message I did get. That's so I'm like, smooth. wait, wait, wait. That's yeah, smooth. yeah. Well, you're like, <laughs> right. So I'm like, oh wow. Well, okay, you know. So we ended up um, 
dating and all is said and done after that. I mean, it, like I said, it was beautifully orchestrated um, by a divine power greater than ourselves, as Lauren states so beautifully. Um, and I, it's been a process for me because the love factor is so different now. It's, I love myself, okay, first and foremost. Love is, it is just a four letter word, right? But we're all entitled to it. It, it can be so amazingly powerful. And he shows me every day what love is intended to be. Um, so and let's, it, let's back the car up. Let's let's back the car up just a hair. I, I love okay. where you're going with that, but but there's a couple of things that I want to touch on that I felt like that you mentioned that deserve it. My first question would be, um, was was he the type of guy that had possibly shared the same kind of lifestyle and journey and things of that nature, like you know, experimented or was in recovery or was like he completely different than you? And then the second thing is, is you're like. Hey, by the way, you know, uh, I've dealt with this and now I'm an advocate for that. Or, or how did that conversation come about or did it come about? Did you feel like that was something that, that needed to be said from a transparent basis as you, you know, ushered in this new phase of your life? Yeah, that, that's really a good point. And it's loaded too, because I think the things that we had in common were a faith, you know, and music. Uh, having been in music all, all our lives, a big difference was he had been married for 30 years, has four kids. I have zero kids. I have fur babies. I've been divorced for 21 years. Um, there, There's a difference there, right? You go from like somebody has been married for 30 years, right? Mm. And then they lose their spouse um, to cancer, you know, and then you have me who's kind of given up on ever having a relationship and I don't have kids, right? How, how do you, how do you bring those two live? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, so that is a good one. Yeah. 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 And we did, we did have to have to chat a lot about the logistics. I mean, we knew that we loved each other. We knew that God had a plan for us, but then all of a sudden you're hearing from somebody like, Oh, you're an instant grandma. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm an instant grandma. I haven't even had kids and now I'm a grandma. How does that fit into my lifestyle or my life? So that, and that's a loaded thing right there. Right. So oh, yeah. um, there's a lot that goes along with it. Yeah. I'm curious. Can I ask a question? Because sure. Yeah, I was sitting here um, going back to when I was at the same place you were just describing in your own love story. And I remember you know, even though I knew from the very first moment, I actually told my husband that day that we met that, okay, I think you're the one and I'm most likely going to aggressively pursue you. Yes, he looked at me like I was crazy, but he okay, and here we are all these years later, but. Borderline stalkish, but you know, I, yeah, I, like, the, uh, I like the confidence. But here's what I did, and I wonder if this happened to you in any kind of way. When I went, because he lived in Chicago, he lived here and I lived in Michigan and he would go through my town on the way to his lake house. So he took me to his lake house um, the next weekend. Let's go up there. I want to show you. And it's, I wasn't even, in, you know, I pulled up, he opened the garage door and was standing there. We walked in, he opened the door, the kitchen and stuff is in front of me. And I just collapsed right there on the stairs and just lost it. And he's like, What's wrong? Are you breaking up with me? And that's what brought me back to reality because I looked at him like, what do you mean breaking up? Are we together? <laughs> but because I automatically thought that when I walked in to this lavish house and I could see the lake through the big window in front of me through the kitchen and I just felt like it was out of my league. I felt again that even though I'm clean and have been for six years and all of this, and and I've been upfront and transparent. I just did not feel worthy. I didn't. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks. What are you doing here? You don't belong in this world. Who do you think you are? It just did you ever deal with anything like that? No, it's like because people talk about there's more than one type of relapse. See, I think I relapsed into that horrible thinking. 
you know, instead yeah, of now we're drug. getting into the goodies. Right. Oh. I relapsed, but I relapsed mentally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I want to backtrack a little bit because in 2020, I did have imposter syndrome. You know, I started having all this success, you know, with having songs in TV and film. But I had that imposter syndrome, like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I was getting all this attention from people. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't belong here. Like, I'm not worthy of this. But from 2020 up until now, I went through a fast track deep dive into uh, recovery. And it has nothing to do with, like, I, I haven't gone back to drugs. I haven't gone back to my eating disorders. I haven't gone back to any of that. But I did fall into that not being worthy imposter syndrome, being in deep lows. And I worked my butt off. I just have to admit, you know, that it's like, I'm like, I don't want to feel that way. And so by the time I met Tracy, I was a strong powerhouse, maybe even too strong. So Mm. he, like, I want to flip the tables on this, Lauren, because it was the opposite with Tracy and I, he knew right away that I was the right one. And I was like, are you good enough for me? And I, I hate to even admit it right now. now. Come but, on now. Yeah, And I don't mean that in a, like, he's an amazing person. So I don't mean it like on a level of, you know, I just didn't believe that somebody else could love like me. I don't even know how to describe it, but, uh, and I'm probably going down a really dangerous path there because he's the most amazing man I've ever met. So it's not, a level of him deserving it was like more like I've been through all this stuff and I've overcame, you know, and is he going to understand and be on the same trajectory as me, which was a trajectory to go up. And it's that animal instinct, right? Of fight or flight. Like you finally get to a point to where you're just like, I'm done with the fear. Like whatever is going to happen, I'm either going to implode and just turn to dust or, you know, yeah. I'm going to excel and, and just go to the next level, but I'm not going to trap myself in this box anymore. Um, that's, as that's, always, yeah. we're out of time. Um, but I do think that we got, you know, some good nuggets in today. One thing that I would like you to end on, two things. Um, number one, what would you say to anyone that is dealing with, like, stereotypes or, or people, like, belittling them? or not believing in them in terms of like what that recovery process looks like, whatever the case may be briefly. And then, you know, whatever your final thought might be. Don't listen to them. Number one, there's not one perfect person in this world. We all struggle with hurts, hangups and habits of some kind. Right. And don't listen to them. You are the most, you are the only you in this world. You are created with a divine purpose, you you have purpose. We all have a, a purpose in this life. Do not listen to those naysayers. Ignore those, even those voices in your head saying you're not worthy, you know, you, you're not gonna do it, right? Do not listen, okay? You are unique, you deserve a place in this earth. We all deserve um, greatness. We're all entitled to respect and love and just find that special that special community right that lifts you up okay that's so important you don't want to hang out with the toxic people that are bringing you down to their level because that's why they themselves are hurt that's why they're saying the things that they are to you you know i i fully believe that because healthy people positive happy joyful abundant people don't talk like that to other people they don't put people down they don't try to hold you in a box and say you're not worthy right am i am i right on that you are yeah for sure it's all about about understanding how to navigate in and out of places that where you're tolerated and how to put down roots in those places where you are celebrated yeah it's a big difference but if you don't feel there's anything to celebrate then what's the other choice you see so you got to find something to love you know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say this as we get out of here real quick. I just asked what is greater than just not even a week ago to explain to me why is it called falling in love? Every time you hear about falling down or I fell, you know, I fell back into it or it's not a positive thing. Scraped hands and and, and, and bloody 
you know, knees and things like that. And the voice said to me, same one that spoke to you, Janine, said to me, because every time you have a pain or a hurt and you fall, you are falling in love, the hands of love, the arms of love, the spirit of love. That is us. And we catch you each and every time. That is why it is falling in love. Because that's what gives you what you need to eventually get back up. Well, Janine, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Um, we'll absolutely have to have you back on again. That's what we always tell our guests, absolutely. Um, especially those that have so many facets available uh, to, to be able to chat. There's so much that we weren't able to unpack. Me and the doc say it all the time, like, oh, an hour is not enough. But anyways, folks, we'll be back right after this with the doc and I's final thoughts. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax from the Diversity Duo. You know, it's 2023 and we believe here at License for Love that our purpose is to connect the world, to be understood, but not necessarily agreed with. And what's a better way to be able to help that mission by advertising your product or service in this space right here. Contact us today. Your product, your service, let's ride. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jackson. I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels-Harris. And today's episode was called A Heart's Addiction. And it is the first episode of season two for License for Love. Doc, how about that Janine Emily? How about her? Um, great way to start this year off. Great, great, great. Oh yeah. Great choice yeah. too, Jax. Again, Thank you've you. knocked it out of the park. Well, you know. Uh, we're a team and uh, I appreciate that very much. You know, I, I was struggling with uh, today's episode's title. And then when I really started thinking about like how to shift that focus, right? Because the, the focus, the lack of purpose of what you were talking about and, and then Janine was able to parallel the same thought process was you needed a new addiction. And a heart's addiction is about vitality. A heart's addiction is about moving towards your best self so you can be mentally and physically prepared for whatever life brings your way and be able to appreciate and receive all of that abundance. And uh, I definitely think we saw that today. Um, what did you think about her journey? Like, were there times when you kind of had the goosebumps because you're like, oh my God, like, it almost sounds like I'm, I'm looking in a mirror, but yet we're from two totally different universes. That's a really great question, Jax. I, um, I'll be completely honest with you. And I've interviewed on, you know, on my television show, people from recovery and stuff, but today was different. I don't know how it got to that different intersection, but when Janine was talking about it, I kind of um, went back, you know, to that same uh, time zone, if you will. And mm -hmm. it still amazes me that I got out mm. it, and, and stayed out. It, it Sometimes there are moments when I think back and reflect on it because it's a part of my message. But that's different than he's sitting here and he's sharing with someone like Janine today. And I'll be honest, yeah. it, it, it just, it's, it's, man, the struggle to try to explain how it felt is the answer in and of itself. Because, you know, not all words have been discovered. Not all words. There are such there's a depth to certain experiences that is just so that's in like for biblical people, you know, Christianity, they say, you know, when you have a joy that surpasses understanding, it's one of those moments where I guess I was just so grateful that I was reminded through her story today that you can get out, you can stay out. Because I, I was that. invested in killing myself. 
Um, you know, I just experienced with that presidential thing. I was like, oh my God, does this mean these kind of things coming? Um, you know, Jackson, when we started this show, I wasn't Dr. Lauren. I was just 12th grade educated Lauren. I wasn't presidential yeah. award winning Lauren. I was just Lauren. And those right. kind of things start coming. And when you've been that person that didn't look in the mirror, that, you know, all those things, and you look at that distance, you go, oh my God, is it done? Am I, am I done? Am I going to die? I was like, oh my God, am I going to die? And again, I heard that voice. Say, oh my goodness, Lauren, really? No, you're finally learning what it means to live. Yeah. And well, where, the- where, where you're, where you're like, I can't believe that I got out. I can't believe that I never got in. You know, I experimented with drugs and things of that nature when I was a kid. And, you know, I, I socially well, drank, but I always had these, red lights to go off to say, you know, you don't need to go down that path. Now, the other side of that was that I feel like that where my addiction went was making sure and being determined that I thought I was a piece of shit and that I wasn't worth anything. And that's, I think, what led to me putting a belt around my neck, you know, and making an effort to kill myself. Right. Right. So for the audience, it's, it's really important, you know, um, we, we had an opportunity to talk a little bit about some of the stereotypes or some of the stigma that may be attached or whatever. But I think one of the coolest things that came out of today was the fact that you can see that addiction and relapse doesn't have to have anything to do with a particular substance abuse. And I think that's something that's really, really good to mention because there may be avenues of things that you're doing that are quote unquote toxic for your lifestyle um, that you're not even recognizing. Doc, final thoughts? My final thought is this. When, and, and it came in right now when you said about putting the belt around your neck. First thing I thought to myself was, well, it was the same end result. That that was the same end goal, end game for those things in our lives, all three of us here today, that did not serve us and were never intending to serve us. That's why those things in your life must go. So, yeah, you never were actively inside of an addiction. However, you were on the road to killing yourself on the one shot deal, whereas uh, Janine and I were on the installment plan. The addiction was just the road we were on. The 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 the, 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 seat, the seat at the end of the road was the same one for all of us. That's what it intended, those things that do not serve us. So if you have things in your world that do not serve you, remember, they must go. Start naming those things that you just clump into a, a catch-all category. What's wrong? My job. What about your job, those people? No. It's B&E Plastics, and it's that bitch Brenda in HR. Put a name on it, because when you put a name Mm. on it, now you can do something about it. If you just Mm. let it go, you're wasting time, and you're giving it time to trick you into serving it. I love that, Doc. You know what, folks? I'm going to give it to you, you know, rough and ready like I normally do, whereas the Doc's a little bit more eloquent. I'm a lot more to the point. Uh, The bottom line is this, you deserve love and it doesn't matter how many excuses that you make. It doesn't matter how much that you convince yourself. Otherwise, life is going to keep answering back. It's just a matter of when you're ready to get your head out of your full point of contact and accept how wonderful and beautiful you are, or you wouldn't have been made in the first place. The second point that I'll make in my final thought is that live your life with purpose, find purpose. Why do I want you to find purpose? Because the lack of purpose, as the doc would say, invites invitation. And sometimes the invitation to those parties aren't necessarily the invitations that you were looking for, but something is always gonna come to your doorstep. So why not make the choice for you to choose what your addictions are, a heart's addiction, versus waiting and seeing what's coming to you and having to deal with the aftermath after that. I'm Cowboy Jax with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels-Harris, and we'll see you on the next episode of License for Love, the heartbeat and relationship conversation. I'm going to slop the hogs now, Paul. I'm kidding. Gotta get on that that. (laughs) farmers.com.
see you guys next time. Oh my God, you're so crazy. <laughs> Bye, y'all. You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels Harris. The heartbeat in relationship conversation. <laughs>